Word. If you can turn with me, please, in God's Word to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, as we said, we're going through the doctrine of God. We've come now to the wrath of God. We've covered so many subjects from the start. The last few that we covered was the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, the justice of God, and now as well, we're coming tonight to the wrath of God. And then, God willing, next time we'll come to the love of God. And we'll many more lessons to learn and we'll add to the subject as we continue. But tonight it is the wrath of God we want to think upon. And Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through to 18, the Word of God says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing for the reading of his word. The Apostle Paul, in writing Romans chapter 1 through 3, highlights that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. To prove this truth, Paul in chapter 1 exposes the sin of the unbelieving Gentiles against God. And then in chapter 2, Paul exposes the sin of the unbelieving Jews. And then Paul concludes in chapter 3 in bringing both Jew and Gentile together, showing that whether a heathen sinner, so as the Gentiles, or self-righteous sinners as the Jews, all are guilty before God. For there's none righteous, no, not one. And so when it comes to guilty sinners, whether Jew, whether a Gentile, and remember, the word Gentile means the heathen, and anybody who is not a Jew is a Gentile. But when it, when it comes to both, whether Jew or Gentile, both are guilty before God. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. The Bible commentator W.A. Pink, he states about God's wrath. He said that God's wrath is the holiness of God stared into activity against sin. God's wrath is his holy hatred of all that is unholy. It is his righteous indignation at everything that is unrighteous. God's wrath is not uncontrollable rage. It's not bitterness or losing temper. Rather, it is absolute righteousness in action. Again, the Puritan Thomas Watson said, Is God so infinitely holy? Then see how unlike to God sin is. No wonder, therefore, that God 
hate sin, being so unlike to him, nay, so contrary to him, it strikes at his holiness. And so as we come to the teaching of God's wrath, we learn that God's wrath is denied by the ungodly. And sad today, many people who claim to be Christian, they also deny such a subject as the wrath of God. Why is that? Because they refuse to accept that God would punish sin. You hear that before. You know the ungodly certainly reject that. But also today, those who would go to church or place of worship or even take the name of Christian. I know people like that. Certainly you may have known people like that as well. And they would use that frame that God is so loving that he would never cast anybody in the hell. And so what they do is they deny such a subject as the wrath of God. They put aside such a subject as the punishment of God. And such today then is left out of preaching. It's left out of pulpits. It's left out of prayers because it's all about a God of love and not a God who punishes sin. And we learn that that's really a weak view of God because whenever you have a weak view of God, then you bring God into your imagination. Or as Psalm 50, verse 21 states, Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such a one as thyself. Or Isaiah 46, verse 5, To whom will ye liken me, and make me equal, and compare me? Therefore we must come to the word of God. We must come to the scriptures of truth. And as in all our doctrinal study, as we've done throughout these studies, we've come to God's word and let God, in a sense, speak for himself, or to use the motto of what is termed as, let the Bible speak. And we've learned Bible verses that God is holy, God is just, God is righteous, and we will cover God is love. But God is also a God of wrath. We learn in Exodus chapter 15, verse 7. And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou sentest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. Again, Exodus chapter 22, verse 24. My wrath shall wax hot. Again, you can think of Psalm 21, verse 9, Psalm 90, verse 11, and even Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6, the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Again, remember Revelation chapter 6, verses 15 through 17, and the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens, and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? 
And so I bring those verses to your attention to show you that when someone comes to you and say, there's nothing about the wrath of God at all mentioned in Scripture, or God is not a God of uh, one of God, God is not a God who punishes sin, then you can take them to such verses as this as to show the character, the nature of God. Now as we come tonight to the wrath of God, there's some simple thoughts I want to leave with you. Notice first of all the direction of God's wrath. Who is God's wrath directed towards? Paul shows here in this verse, in Romans chapter 1, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So God's wrath is fully against the sin of sinners and sinners in their sin. The reason being, sin is absolutely opposite to his nature. God is light. In him there is no darkness. Again, Psalm 7, verse 11. God is angry with the wicked every day. God's wrath is therefore towards all that is sinful. His wrath, his anger, is towards those who his displeasure is upon. And therefore, in his wrath, in his anger, God is just. Sin and righteousness can never exist together. And so we learn that God's wrath is against those who are ungodly and unrighteous. Notice those words, ungodliness and unrighteousness. Ungodliness, that refers to the root of all sin. Whereas unrighteousness refers to the fruit of all sin. You take the first word, ungodliness, the root of sin. It describes the very nature of man as he is. He is ungodly. The point is that within fallen man, there is an evil principle of rebellion and wickedness. There is the seed and the root of every potential sin. Man's natural condition, his ungodliness, his root is described in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. He's dead in trespasses and in sin. Again, Romans chapter 1, verse 21. They became fain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Again, Romans chapter 8, verse 7. The carnal mind, the mind of flesh, the very nature of man, is at enmity or at war against God. So man, due to the root of sin, his depravity, he is at war with God. He's in rebellion against God because man by nature is ungodly and his sin is contrary to God's very nature. His sin is against and rebels against God's will. 
God's way and God's law. We've looked at this in previous studies. What is God's law? God's law is a revelation of himself. Holy, spiritual, just, righteous. God's law is a reflection of himself. Therefore, when a sinner is against God's law, a sinner is at war with God. The Shorter Catechism asks the question, What is sin? Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. But notice also the second word, unrighteousness. That refers to the fruit of sin. Unrighteousness is the outworking of man's personal ungodliness. It is the actual transgression of God's law in every way. It is the violation of every commandment. It's what the Bible calls in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21, the works of the flesh. The unrighteousness is defilement. It is pollution. Romans chapter 1, verse 24. Notice this unrighteousness, this fruit of sin. They dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Again, from verses 26 to 27 of Romans chapter 1, they leave the natural order and use of creation, and they lust against it. No wonder Christ said of mankind, of their ungodliness and unrighteousness, in John chapter 3, verse 36, He that believeth not the Son shall not see life. Why is that? The wrath of God abideth on him. The word abideth there in John chapter 3, verse 36, is in the continual tense, meaning God's wrath, his righteous judgment, continually hangs over or abides upon ungodly and unrighteous sinners. Notice, the wrath of God abideth on him, on the one who does not believe the gospel, on the one who is in rebellion against God, and the one who hates God, despises God, the one who has turned his back on God. God's wrath abides on him. His wrath hovers over him, that person, that sinner. All here out of Christ, the wrath of God abides upon them and continually does and if they die in that sinful state, they will enter into the full punishment of that eternal judgment. Again, John 3, verse 18. He that believeth not is condemned already. Why is that? Again, we have the answer. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And that's why men and women, when we come to prayer, how we ought to pray for family members. 
to be saved. How we ought to be praying for souls in this community to be saved. I'm glad we were talking just before the service of the prayer meeting on Monday night. And someone had said to me, uh, just talking there, uh, it was a blessed time on Monday night on prayer. How we could have went on actually longer. And the meeting actually did go on a bit longer than we had suggested. Because there was such a good spirit of prayer. And that's what we need. Because the direction of God's wrath is against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. Sinners have the wrath of God continually abiding upon them. And if they die in that sin, they will enter in to eternal damnation. But notice, secondly, the demonstrations of God's wrath. Again, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. The word revealed as you have before you. Again, is in the continual tense. That means God's wrath is always being revealed and continually is revealed from heaven against those who mock his name, reject his truth, and it will always be so. God's wrath day by day continually abides upon the ungodly. It's not that it's let off for one day or to give them a break for one day. Rather, every single day, the wrath of God is abiding upon the ungodly. They are sinners. They've broken His law. And His law calls out for their damnation. So the revelation of God's wrath began in the Garden of Eden when He passed the sentence of death upon Adam and Eve for their willful transgression. By one man, sin came into the world. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. The wrath of God was later revealed in the worldwide flood. Remember in Noah's ark, uh, and there's only eight people saved at that time. It's also revealed in the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, God's judgment upon the sin of sodomy. Also as well in the drowning of Pharaoh's army. Whenever the army, you remember, uh, God brought the sea down upon the enemy and they were dealt with. So all these pictures that we have in the Bible revealing to what God will do with his enemies or those who obey not the gospel, his wrath is upon them because of the root of sin and because of the fruit of sin, because of their ungodliness and their unrighteousness. But the greatest if I can use that word, revelation of God's wrath was poured out on the cross of Calvary on the sinless Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Psalm 22, a prophetic psalm of the cross. And that's why it's good when we read that psalm, you look beyond David and you look to see Christ. In verse 1 of Psalm 22, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and the words from my roaring? That word roaring is an interesting word. 
It comes from a word that means to howl, to roar like a lion. Now, I don't know if you watch wildlife programs or read wildlife books or certain things and that, but it has been said, and I, I can't remember if I heard this or read this, wherever it was, but remember hearing that a lion's roar can be heard between one or two miles away. Do you can imagine if you ever go to the zoo or somewhere, you hear this lion's roar and it just carries through the place. Well, you can imagine here Christ and his sufferings from the words of my roaring. Such was the agony, such was the sorrow, the conflict that Christ endured upon the cross. Again, he said in Matthew 27, verse 46, the ninth hour, he cried with a loud voice. That is, that roaring with a loud voice. Eli, Eli, lama sabbathani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And the use of Christ's word, forsaken, or that phrase, lama sabbathani, means in the original language, to be left alone. Eli, Eli, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why hast thou left me alone? The thought is of separation. The thought is of abandonment. The thought is of utterly being forsaken. Upon the cross, the Father forsook his Son, while he poured his wrath upon him, while he was made sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He who bore our sins and our sorrows and made them his very own in that time of darkness, as God's wrath came upon his beloved son, he was forsaken, he was abandoned. Why? Because Psalm 22, verse 3 says, When Christ said, Why hast thou forsaken me? Thou art holy. Thou art holy. Due to the very holiness and righteousness of God's being, his justice demanded that he must punish the guilty one by separating him, by cutting him off. See, sin, sin separates. Sin cuts men off from God. And that's why Christ the, is bearing our sin, being forsaken, being cut off, because he's bearing the punishment of God. All that was due to you and me, Christ bore on his own body, on the tree. The Father turned away from Christ, while he was suffering the stroke of wrath, the penalty and punishment of sin, he became a curse for us, and he bore the curse, the sentence on the tree, eternal death. He was forsaken of his Father, that you, believer, would never be forsaken. He was abandoned, that you would never be abandoned. He endured the wrath of God that you, would never endure the wrath of God. And so this separation 
was essential because Christ must suffer the wrath of God in order to pay the price of sin and to redeem a people back to God. And he did that with his own precious blood. Here is the basis of our salvation. Here is the greatest demonstration of God's love. God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that word commendeth means to demonstrate. God demonstrated his love toward us. Where? Why? Because he sent Christ on the cross to die for us. And that word for us means in our place, on our behalf. He paid our sin debt. And because of that, all who believe in him, their sin has been put behind his back, never to be remembered anymore. And so the direction of God's wrath, it is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. The demonstration of God's wrath, that God's wrath is continually revealed against all ungodliness and there is that ultimate day when sinners die in their sin they will face the full wrath of God but for the believer we will never be in hell we will never face the wrath of God because we believe on Christ's cross work this man having offered up one sacrifice for sin sat down at the right hand of God notice also Thirdly and briefly, the deliverance from God's wrath. Deliverance from God's wrath is only found by resting, trusting, leaning upon the Savior. Again, Romans chapter 5, verse 9. Much more then, being now justified, or that means pardoned, by his blood, we shall be saved or delivered from wrath through him. So all who are justified, all who have a legal standing with God, all who have been pardoned by God on the basis of Christ's precious atoning blood, they have been saved. They've been delivered from the wrath of God. There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you understand that, men and women tonight, believer? You have been delivered from wrath to come. That thrills our hearts to know that. We'll never be in hell. We'll never be cast aside. We'll never face the torments of a lost eternity because we've been justified by His blood. We're saved from wrath through Him. Notice John 3.18. He that believeth on him is not condemned. Again, as opposed to nowadays, you have to clarify things on him. That is not the Pope. That is not the preacher. That is not anybody else. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. Who he that believeth on him, on Christ, is not condemned. Again, 
First Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 9 through 10. How ye turned from, how ye turned to God from idols to serve the true and living God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, again, which delivered us from wrath to come. Again, Romans chapter 3, verse 25. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. The word propitiation is the word meaning atonement. Means to cover, means to reconcile. It is the word meaning mercy seat, where the blood is shed, the blood is sprinkled. And so Christ is our propitiation. He is our reconciliation. He is our redemption. He is our atonement. He is our mercy seat. He covers us with his precious blood. And in covering us, he turns away the wrath of God that would have been against us. want you to see that. Whom God set forth to be a propitiation. Christ is our propitiation. He is our covering from the wrath of God. Therefore, there is deliverance from the wrath of God. Jesus Christ is our hope. Jesus Christ has made full atonement for sin. And therefore, child of God this night, what a joy, what a thrill to know these great gospel truths because there is a day when the Lord Jesus Christ will come back and there will be that final separation. The sheep one side, the goats on the other. And there will be those who will hear those words, Depart from me, for I never knew you. That is those who God's wrath is against ungodliness and unrighteousness. But for you who are saved, for you who believe Christ is the power of God, you will hear those words, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter in to the kingdom that has been prepared for you before the foundation of the world. Isn't that mighty? Isn't that amazing? But notice finally, the destruction of God's wrath. Peter asks, asks a question. First Peter chapter 4, verse 17. What shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? And that ought to be a prayer that we ought to go through every single day. What is the end of my loved one who is not saved? My mum, my dad, my brother, my sister, my son, my daughter, my granny, my granddad, whoever you want to mention, my neighbour, my friend. What is the end? And you can personalise it. What is the end of my mum who obeys not the gospel? What is the end of my dad who obeys not the gospel? What is the end of my son, my daughter, who obeys not the gospel. Have you ever thought about that? What is their end? Now, you go out to the street and you ask them, and they'll tell you a load of nonsense. Their end will be heaven no matter what. Well, we have the answer. God's wrath is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness who hold 
the truth in unrighteousness. That is the end of them who obey not the gospel. The phrase who hold the truth in unrighteousness, as you have before you in the book of Romans, the word hold means to suppress, means to hold down. And that is what they've done. That is the truth of the gospel, the message of grace, the righteousness of God and Christ that is presented to them. They hold it down. They suppress it. They push it aside. Again, this word hold is in the continual tense meaning from the very fall of man until Christ returns ungodly and unrighteous sinners will continually, willfully, and purposefully reject, refuse, push back, hold back, suppress the gospel, turning the truth of God's word into a lie, worshipping the creature, not the creator, turning the grace of the gospel into a system of works. They're continually doing this, Charles Spurgeon said this, The wrath of God does not end with death. You have buried the man, but you have not buried his sins. His sins live and are immortal. They have gone before him to judgment, or they will follow him after to bear witness as the evil of his heart and the rebellion of his life. For any person to reject the gospel teaching, the central message of the Bible, justification, the full pardon of sin through grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to reject that will face the final form of God's wrath, which will be eternal destruction in hell. Hell is a place where sinners will endure. Well, I should say really hell will be cast into the lake of fire, But hell, the lake of fire, is where sinners will endure the consequences of sin and rejecting Christ. Remember, God's wrath is the outworking of his holiness, his righteousness, his justice. He must punish sin. Again, Paul said in Romans 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death, or the payment of sin of sin is death. You see, sinners will receive what they have earned, but they will receive what they've earned not by their standard, but by God's standard. And we learned this about the righteousness of God, the holiness of God. God will judge men by his standard, not by man's own standard, or comparing man with man. We do that. I'm not as bad as the other person. Uh, I'll actually get through compared to that person. Well, God will let me off lightly. That's how we see things, but that's not how God sees it. His wrath is against ungodliness and unrighteousness, and the wages of sin is death. And sinners will uh, earn the full wages of their sin, which is eternal hell, because that's what all of us deserve. But God has had mercy upon us tonight who are saved by his grace. God gives ungodly and unrighteous sinners over to their own sin 
the wages of their sin. Again, Psalm 81, verse 12. So I gave them up to their own heart's lust, and they walked in their own counsels. Romans chapter 1, verse 24. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. Exodus chapter 14 through 15 is summarized in Jude verse 5. The Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Now that is solemn words. Let me read that again. Jude verse 5, which is a summary of Exodus chapters 14 through 15. The Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Remember, the Lord's people, they came out of Egypt redeemed, saved by the blood. Again, Psalm 9 verse 7, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. Matthew 8 verse 12, They'll be cast into outer darkness. Matthew 25, verse 41. Then he shall say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, or cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Again, going back to Peter's question, What shall be the end of them who obey not the gospel? Second Thessalonians. Chapter 1, verse 7 through 9. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. This is the Lord's coming, second coming. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. What shall be their end? Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Revelation 20, verse 14 and 15. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And dear believer, there are souls to rescue. There are souls to save. We must send the blessed gospel light. We must go into all the world and preach the gospel. For they that sow in tears shall reap with joy. We must have this vision, because without a vision the people perish. And therefore we must have this burden for our families, for the lost in our families, for the lost in our community, for the boys and girls in the area. That God will have mercy, that God will save their soul. Because if they die, they'll go to everlasting torment. Are you burdened for your loved one? Are you burdened for your family? Will you tell them afresh the gospel? I know it may be hard to just walk in and say something, but pray for God's grace. Give me an opportunity. Give me something to say. Use something in the newspaper again. Even, it's sad to say, as you see on the news day by day, a death, and we were talking today before the toddler group about a, someone who died 
uh, not going into details uh, publicly, but about the dear young person today who was murdered uh, 15-year-old in Croydon. Even use that as a witness to speak about your eternity. Where would you be when you die? Is it well with your soul? Where will you spend eternity? Use anything, something. Pray God, give me help because souls are dying and going to hell. Your family, my family, people in this church who sit Sunday after Sunday lost. Lord, give us a burden to see them saved because God's wrath is against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. There's no in-between, no nearly getting there, no uh, just about it. You're the saved or you're not. You're justified or you're condemned. And so pray for them like John the Baptist used to warn the people in his day to flee from the wrath to come. And in fleeing, come to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of sinners, because that's where we will lead on next time, where we come to the love of God in Jesus Christ. Because on the cross... You have every attribute there. His justice, his righteousness, his holiness, his wrath. But you also see his love. Because he went to the cross to bear the wrath of God. Because he loves sinners, he came to save. And so it all connects together, these wonderful lessons. And I trust that God will write his word upon our heart, even this night for his own namesake. Amen.